Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sports Day for Toolmart, the complete tool center, serving WA for over 40 years. Yes, hello everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Hayes and Mardo for the run home. The boys return again tomorrow. Same time, same station between three and five. And of course, uh, my program Sports Day follows that. Wherever you may be listening on SEN 657, uh, SEN Spirit 621 through Bunbury and the Southwest. In the goldfields at SEN 1611 on DAB Plus Radio, around Mandra and the Peel region on SEN Peel. And, of course, wherever you may be, uh, around Australia, even overseas, on the SEN WA app. Great to have your company. We've got a good show coming up. Uh, we'll speak to Hamish Brayshaw on the program in just a moment, the former West Coast Eagle, and still involved in football at the WAFL level uh, with East Perth. She was, he was involved with the AFLW side at the West Coast Eagles uh, last season. And as well as that, we know that he's got uh, a sprinkling of uh, siblings playing very important roles in other AFL clubs, both at Fremantle and Melbourne. So we'll talk to Hamish about his thoughts on the Eagles and how they're going in relation to a brand new season. He's got an interest to see how his brother Andrew goes at the Fremantle Dockers. We'll give us, uh, give us his thoughts on that. And also we'll just get a brief update on the WAFL Eagle squad and the WAFL in general as well. And, of course, Hamish will be a regular on Scotty and Goss when the waffle season begins next month. As well as that, we've got plenty of cricket from a West Australian perspective to look forward to. If you've been listening to SEN during the course of the day, you would have heard the likes of Jason Berendorf and Josh Philippi speak. Well, I'm going to speak to the man that's been instrumental behind developing these players and the success and the power that is WA Cricket in Kate Harvey, the Wacker high-performance coach. He's going to join us a bit later on. And there was a full review today down there at the Wacker. I won't tell you any more, but uh, keep listening. Cade's going to tell us all about it. Now, I'm jumping ahead of the queue here. Tomorrow is International Women's Day, where we celebrate everything to do with women, and no doubt we focus on sport and I'd like to get your thoughts on the Tempera Bedshed text machine on 0487 736 736. Do we still need International Women's Day? That's what people are, are starting to ask now, particularly in sport. We've seen the, the rise and rise of women playing the same sports as men, the introduction of sporting competitions that run alongside the men's comps. They've had collective bargaining agreements their salaries have trended upwards. I gather there's still a long way to go because you look at the FIFA Women's World Cup that's coming to our shores in the middle of this year and it'll be a significant event. Uh, they are playing 32 nations for a prize pool of around $100 million. And when you look, that's still double uh, what was paid at the 2019 tournament in France four years ago. 
But in Qatar for the 2022 FIFA Men's World Cup, the nation shared in a prize pot equal to around about $650 million. So as you can see from those figures, there's still a little bit way to go when it comes to uh, maybe parity when it comes to women's sport and men's sport. But saying that, looking at International Women's Day, and it will be celebrated in a many ways tomorrow, and I think personally we should continue to celebrate because of the contribution that they are making uh, certainly to our society, our community, and of course a lot of them are now very influential decision makers. So when you look at tomorrow, who would you nominate from a sporting spectrum that has been influential in sport in Australia? Now, I gather the top lady would have to be Anika Wells. She's the federal sports minister. So she's got the big portfolios, you know, when it comes to sport and also in charge of the Sport Integrity Unit of Australia. So I gather she's very important. She's also a board member on the organising committee for the Brisbane 2013 Olympic and Paralympic Games. So she'd be right up there. But is there any that you'd like to nominate? Certainly I've had this lady on a few times on this program and we're talking about Kate Harvey, who is the high-performance coach at the WACA, but Christina Matthews is the chief executive of Cricket WA. She's only one of three women who have run a first-class cricket association, and she's held that position since 2011. And as we know, she was a good cricketer in her own right, the former vice-captain of the Australian women's cricket team. And she has been recognised for driving cultural change at the WACA and strengthening the community ties and reshaping the business and government relationships uh, through cricket and the WACA. So I think we need to, when we look at tomorrow and International Women's Day, that maybe uh, Christina Matthews is certainly one that has been influential in the shaping of sport, and in particular cricket, from a West Australian and Australian perspective. Have you got someone you'd like to nominate? Love to hear from you on the temperate bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. Of course, temper... Uh, you can catch it at Bedshed. They're the experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases, and you can check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. Before we introduce our very first special guest, uh, let's have a look at uh, some sports news headlines, thanks to Tire Power. And as we know, buy three, get one free on selected Falcon tyres during Tire Power's best buys on Big brand sale. And AFL great Joel Selwood, who's handed over the Geelong captaincy to Patrick Dangerfield, is uh, on the verge of his next big step. The recently retired Geelong legend is set to cross sports again. As we know, at the moment, uh, he's working as a leadership coach with the Melbourne Storm in the NRL. Well, he could be packing his bags and travelling with the Australian cricket team for the upcoming England tour. It appears that Selwood's had discussions with Cricket Australia about a role with the cricketers during the Ashes this winter here in the Southern Hemisphere, of course, summer in the Northern Hemisphere. So he's now considering another option to impart his wisdom through his Geelong links uh, with Australian cricket coach Andrew McDonald. So watch that uh, space and we could see Joel Selwood even broadening his sporting wings even further. As we know, Pat Cummings will remain in Sydney to be around his seriously ill mother, ruling himself out of the fourth and final test against India. And it appears 
that uh, he at the moment he's still captain for Australia's three-match ODI series in India after the Test series starting on March 17. But it appears more likely he'll miss those white ball matches as well. And in soccer, Sam Kerr scored, of course, but this time it was her Matildas teammates, Caitlin Ford and Steph Catley, who were left celebrating after Arsenal won the Women's League Cup final. The Gunners defeated Kerr's Chelsea 3-1 in London on Sunday, earning their first silverware since Ford and Cattery joined the club back in 2020. All right, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break and then we'll come back with Hamish Brayshaw. And also later on, uh, if time permits, Adam Collins and Bharat Sundarason from the SEN cricket commentary team there in India caught up with uh, Australian off-spinner Todd Murphy. Uh, we may hear a bit of that before the hour is out. So join us anytime you like on the Temper at Bedshed text machine. As I said, nominate someone that you feel has done a lot for women's sport and it may be a player who's currently going around. What about Sam Kerr? She'd have to be nominated as a very influential. 0487 736 736 ahead of International Women's Day that we celebrate tomorrow. It's coming up 8 past 5 here on Sports Day. Great to have your company on this uh, Tuesday. Back to work Tuesday. I know a few people that I've spoken to just struggled a bit after the long weekend, the Labor Day long weekend. Hope you had a good one. Uh, of course, uh, we're not far away from the start of the AFL and WAFL seasons. And Hamish Brayshaw uh, will return as a regular on Scotty and Goss when the waffle season begins next month. But in the meantime, uh, he's doing a bit of a cameo here on Sports Day WA. Uh, Hamish, thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks very much for having me. You're a glutton for punishment returning to be part of uh, Scotty and Goss's team again this year. Oh, no. Always a bit of fun. Always a bit of fun. Happy to be back. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, yeah, no, good segment it is too. Saying that, uh, how was the off-season? Get up to much mischief? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, a little bit. I um, we, my, The AFLW season had just kicked off once we started uh, the off-season, so I was pretty tame early on, but um, I've certainly got a bit of fun in over the Christmas break and... Uh, no, the boys, East Perth boys are looking pretty good. We've got our first intercot this weekend and the season's right around the corner. So uh, everything's looking sharp and ready to go. Yeah, we'll talk about that uh, before we look at your thoughts on the West Coast and Fremantle footy clubs for this year. I actually did the East Perth function at the Ascot Racecourse a couple of weeks ago, being the corporate uh, function where they announce all the sponsors that will be uh, lining themselves yep. on the East Perth jumpers this year. Uh, it's a different-looking East Perth setup this year, including coach and a few new players, I believe. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, Ross McQueen's taken over as the head coach, and he's brought a sort of a new look to the uh, to the team. Um, Jackson Ramsey, our captain, has uh, retired and moved on, and we've got a couple of new recruits. Uh, Mitch Croydon's come in from uh, from Fremantle, and Tom North has come over from Melbourne. Uh, we've got a couple of guys from the VFL, and then uh, Michael Randall's just uh, had his charge knocked back a couple of months, so he'll be back come round five. So we're um, and Harrison McCready as well from Carlton. So we've got a couple of really good re- uh, recruits and. The team seems to be gelling pretty well, so I'm excited to see what we can do this year. Yeah, speaking of Bronnie Howson and uh, Dean Turner and that the other day, they're quite excited about the midfield that's being assembled. But as I saw last year, your biggest problem was kicking goals. Have you got maybe a spearhead or somebody that can maybe kick 40 or 50 this year? Uh, well, I think a young kid called Tom Graham's um, looking to have a pretty good year. I think he, he took his 
strides to play league footy last year and he's a tall young I think he's only 19 or 20 but he um, he drew a target he was able to clunk a few and he's only gotten better over the off season so uh, we've got a few mids that can rotate forward as well Liam Tedesco from um, from West Perth has come over so he can uh, come on in the midfield and go forward but I think Tom Graham will be the one for us that if we can get him going and he's a young player that you know easily played 100 plus games for the footy club so um, he'll be one to look for this year I think. Now, Hamish, before you were born, let me tell you, uh, you know, I used to follow East Perth, and I still do, on a week-to-week basis. And what greats and royal supporter more than anything else is seeing the success of the arch enemy being West Perth, who used to be known as the Cardinals and now the Falcons, and the fact that they're sitting top of the tree season after season, and we keep losing against them. Now, is that likely to change in 2023? Because I've had a gut full of Jimmy Williams, my producer here, who's a fanatical West Perth supporter, really rubbing it up the wrong way. Can we challenge? And it's quite ridiculous that East Perth aren't contesting finals year in, year out. Can that change this season? Oh, it certainly can. I mean, West Perth, as much as I uh, I dislike them as well, are a very good team and have been for my time in Perth. Um, I can't remember how many times we've knocked them off, albeit it's, uh, it's that we only play them once or twice a year. But I'm I'm really excited as to how we can go this year, I think. We, um, we stack up well midfield-wise against them. And, and as I said, we've got some young players in the forward line. Um, I think our backs have developed really well. Corey Watts has come on really strong over the off-season and, and the addition of Harrison McCready. So I think all across the park we've improved. Um, they are the benchmark. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when we play them, but uh, certainly one that we, uh, we're eyeing off to knock off. So mm. as much as you don't like them, we don't like them either. <laughs> and by the way, when does uh, Michael Randall actually start training? I think he starts around this time, I think early March. So yeah, he must be joining yeah, the track shortly. Session. Yep, yeah, his first session with us on Monday. So after a year and a half of, uh, of running on his own, he's, um, he's finally back and running around with the team. So it was good to have him back. The boys celebrated his his time off and he looked good. He's in good nick. He's obviously super fit. He's just been running over the last couple of year and a bit. So um, I think he gets back to play with us around five or six. Uh, he's eligible. So it'll be a mini preseason for him starting now and um, he'll hit the ground running midway through the year. So it'll be exciting to have him back. Talking to Hamish Brayshaw here on Sports Day WA on SEN throughout Western Australia. Let's have a look at two of the AFL clubs, as you've mentioned. You've been involved with the AFLW program uh, for the last season or so, with Rob Wiley being the coach, a good fellow that he is. And, and there's been some improvement there for the AFLW Eagles team. There needs to be some significant improvement for the West Coast Eagles full stop after only two wins in 2022. What's the word around the club and what's your general feeling? Well, everyone around here is pretty pretty bullish at the moment. Um, albeit we've had two, you know, scratch matches or interclubs, uh, sorry, um, match simulations as they call them. But um, one was good against Port and one not so good against Adelaide. But I think the way that the, the boys are shaping up, everyone's super fit. We've got we've got some injury concerns, but I think they should be pretty good come round one, with the exception of maybe a few. But but yeah, I think there's a bullish feel around the place. Um, certainly in the last couple of years, as fit and as strong as the boys have looked. So. They're playing with a bit of dare, and that can catch that can catch sides out. Also, on the flip side, if it doesn't work, you um you can get scored against. But I think that's the the license that the boys have got this year. It looks like they've they've been told to play a free free flowing style of football. So uh, yeah, I think the boys they they look rejuvenated. A couple of really talented young players. I mean, Ruben Jinby, a boy from East Perth, is really setting the place on fire. And but then you've got other young guys like Campbell Chess has come back, and he's looking really good. Even Noah Long, um, a couple of their new draftees. So there's a bit of youth around the place, which has sparked it up a little bit. And um, 
Yeah, I think they'll uh, surprise a few this year. Yeah, well, let's hope that's the case for the West Coast Eagles uh, supporters. There was a lot of question marks over the, the fitness last year and the ability to run out games and in turn run out the season. I know they've certainly focused on that in the preseason. Have you seen a notable change on the track? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the uh, the speed at which the boys are zipping around is um, is certainly noticeable. They uh, obviously all AFL clubs put GPS trackers in during trainings, but the uh, the addition that I've seen this year is we've got the big screen up at um, Mineral Resources Park, and in between all the drills, the GPS numbers for everybody flashes up. So it's a bit of a competition between the boys and the players as to who's running the hardest and who's being who's covering the most k's, who's running the quickest. So it um it, it has really been a clear focus, and then. And then in the gym, they're, um, they've changed some things up in there as well. So Mark Kilcannon come along and he's, um, he's really revolutionised what the boys are doing in there. So it uh, certainly has been a strength and conditioning focus over the, uh, the pre-season, which is, you know, at, at this point, paying dividends for a few of them. Good stuff. Uh, what about the Fremantle Footy Club? And, of course, your brother's there as uh, a joint vice-captain with Caleb Sarong. Did you think he'd get the top job or do you feel it was always going to be Alex Pearce? Uh, oh, externally, it, it might have sounded like um, Andrew was the man for the job, but speaking to him, the boys were pretty resounding um, for Alex Pierce. I think the way he stepped in last year when um, Fifey couldn't play was was really good and, and showed the leader and the quality of leader that he is. Um, and I think he he won the popular vote by sixty odd votes, so he was the um, he was the clear standout. Uh, I think it's probably not a bad thing for Andrew and his own football to have that vice-captain role but not necessarily be the front man. Um, I think it'll give him... He's only 23. It'll give him a bit of time to continue to grow and build on the form that he had last year. So oh, I think all in all, pretty good result for Andrew and the footy club. Yeah, and what about uh, Fremantle? How do you see him this year? A lot of people are sort of reserving their judgment. They've got a harder draw. They've got to play Geelong twice, Brisbane twice, and a couple of other major clubs twice as well. That's so a harder draw. I think people are saying if they emulate what they did last year, it's a pretty good season again. But no doubt they're keen to go further. Yeah, definitely. I mean, having seen the way Andrew's built himself up this preseason and even just watching their last couple of practice games. I think they're pretty primed to have a similar season than they did last year. I think um, <clears throat> the criticism has been who's going to kick their goals. And I think just watching the way Nat Fife has gone about the last couple of weeks, um, I, I don't see, I, I can quite easily see him having a hundred shots on goal this year and whether or not he's got a kicking or it's on is uh, another story, but he'll, I think he'll certainly get a look at it. Um, Monday out of the midfield hurts, but O'Meara comes in and, um, you know, I think the the level of growth in uh, Andrew and Caleb and then Will Brody as well probably bridges the gap that Monday will, will leave, although that's a big gap. But um, the addition of Jackson, um, how they're going, and then the development of their other younger players. I mean, Hayden Young's in the leadership group now. He's come on really well. They've got a lot of these younger players that have got... They might not be necessarily at the right age, typically 25, 26, if that's your, your list and your prime, but they've got the game's under their belt given the last few years for Freo. A lot of these young guys are 23 and, and nearly played 100 games. So mm. I think the experience is there and um, I think they'll have a pretty similar year to last year, if not better. I think they'll be challenging for top four and certainly it's a tougher run, but um, I think they'll give some really good sides a, a pretty good shake-up. Good stuff, Hamish. Uh, and during uh, the Christmas New Year, you know, sort of the off-season to a certain degree, I know you're involved in the AFLW side. Did you go back to Melbourne to see mum and dad or did you take a drive down to the deep south near Antarctica and see granddad in Albany or anything like that? <laughs> no, the uh, the whole family was uh, over in Port Ferry, actually, over in Victoria. We um, My uncle's got a house down there and the whole family was over there for Christmas. So grandma and pop flew over and all four boys were together. So the whole family was together for the first time in 
I think three or four years actually over Christmas. So it was a nice little refresh and got to see everybody. And then we all went our separate ways. But no, good family mm. Christmas together finally. And so how did uh, Granddad, Mister Ten for Forty Four, how's he going? No, nah, he's tracking well, Pop. He's um, he quite often reminds you of the Ten for Forty Four at any opportunity that he gets. <laughs> but uh, he's uh, he's unfortunate. We've only got one cousin or two cousins of mine, George and Fred James, is two youngest two are still <clears throat> playing cricket and uh, Pop's just sort of just clutching at that last, uh, all four of us, no one, none of us played and uh, Rob's one of his boys, isn't more of a football man than he is cricket so he's got two more chances but uh, at any opportunity he lets you know and tells you, reminds you how good he was. He's a humble man but uh, he can drop a couple of sly hits here and there, Pop. Nah, he was a good man, good cricketer, good footballer, a good radio broadcaster, good television presenter. He was the full package. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Hamish, thanks for joining us, mate. I really appreciate it and uh, we look no forward to hearing you during the waffle season here with Scotty and Goss on uh, SEN uh, Breakfast. Thanks for your time. Good luck for... Go no the Royals. Let's hope, let's hope we play in the yeah, finals. Yeah, Okay, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. Cheers. Good on you. Hamish Brayshaw joining us here on uh, Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. As we go to the break, this is interesting. Nathan Buckley, the former Collingwood coach, has named on SEN in Melbourne his top impactful players. Nathan Buckley naming his top five impactful players. Have a listen to this as we go to the break, and then we'll come back talking a bit of cricket. I ended up writing five names down. I had... Three of them from one team, Gorn, May, and Oliver. And then I had Darcy Moore, Lockie Neal. So five players that I would have in that mix. And in the end, I would go for Max Gorn as the most impactful player in the competition because he can go forward uh, and with his aerial capacity, not just because of his ruck stuff. And I'd add just just over Stephen May. Max Gorn and Stephen May, the number one and well, two yeah, no players one you. in the game, uh, according to Nathan Buckley. Yeah, great to have your company. All thanks to Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre. They've been serving WA for over 40 years. In fact, 45, in fact. Uh, good old Ian Peterson and the team there. They do a fantastic job and support WA business. So support Toolmart. We certainly do that here at SEN WA. And Sports Day, well, tomorrow. There's the Marsh One Day Cup final. It's a Wednesday, and we've had a bit of a reaction from our listeners saying, why are they playing it on Wednesday, which is a work day for many, because we'd like to go down and view the game, possibly if it was played on a Saturday or Sunday. But it's on tomorrow at the Wacker, and it's WA taking on South Australia. And as we know, we've also got the Sheffield Chill final to be played here at the Wacker. We are spoilt for Cricket Richards here. There's no question about that. And joining us is the Wacker High Performance Coach. I've had him on a couple of times. He's always very good value for you, the listener. We're talking about Kate Harvey. Kate, thanks for your time. No worries, Pete. Why is it being played on Wednesday? Oh, look, I think um, one job in the world you don't want at the moment, Pete, is Peter Roach's job trying to fit all this cricket into a um, into a domestic summer and, and, and tying it in with Foxtel as the broadcaster and, yeah, just so much, um, you know, so much content around this time of year. So, um, unfortunately, the, the one-day tournament slips in on a Wednesday or the final on a Wednesday. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a challenging um, part now with so much cricket on in the summer. And, you know, we've got competing codes with footy starting to 
to uh, to move into some of the ground. So it's really just getting the game in where we can, and it, you know it's it's largely now I suppose a broadcast event as well with Fox still picking it up. So it's an unfortunate one. We'd love it to be on a on a weekend as well, but um, you know with four day cricket, we're, that's probably the uh, maybe that's the priority at the minute in terms of getting those games on the weekend. So um, yeah, not not ideal, but um, yeah, certainly not a concern for us from a from a playing point of view. No, it should be a great one. One day cup final. Uh, and many people are saying it's a David and Goliath battle WA in South Australia. When we look at uh, WA, every member of WA's 13 player squad, with the exception of Aaron Hardy and Matt Kelly, who have played international cricket. Uh, so, you know, all those except for those two have played international cricket. But of course, when you look at Hardy in particular, he's on the radar uh, certainly having represented Australia A. So it's a pretty formidable combination. You look at the Redbacks. Uh, I think Wes Agar is the only player in South Australia's 13-man squad that has featured for the senior national team. Is it a David versus Goliath battle? Oh, look, I think white ball cricket's been a format that WA cricket's been strong in for a long time, not just not just this generation of players. Clearly, we've been we've been strong as a group you know a lot of our national representation i think we've got 21 percent of the national white ball teams um, which punches above our weight so yeah clearly over the last five to ten years in particular um you know that this group's been um been strong in in the white ball format which which i suppose slows through a little bit into the Perth scorches but um you know i don't think that's going to count for too much tomorrow it's a it's a, a one-off game of cricket um you know we certainly go in confident with the group that we've got we've been up we're undefeated we've played good white ball cricket all year. We've been challenged at different times and and come up trumps. We certainly go into it confident, but I think if you underestimate anyone in, in white ball cricket, you can come unstuck. So um, we'll certainly go in tomorrow with a with a with a confident mindset, but um you know, and, and playing on our home track, which you know the last couple of years we've won one day titles. We haven't won them at home, so it's nice to be at home. Um mm. so we certainly see that as an advantage. But yeah, we'll go in very respectful of of the South Australian side that have done well to make the final. Saying that, it's always great to get a, a fast start and a good solid opening stand, and that's been the case for WA in uh, the one-day arena with Josh Philippi and Darcy Short doing exceptionally well in this campaign. I think they're averaging well over 70 uh, as the opening partnership. I gather the biggest threat for them and what they'll be looking at South Australia particularly is an early breakthrough. And where's Agar, I suppose, does pose the threat on the fast, bouncy whack wicket yeah, look, where's Agar? Spencer Johnson's done very well. You know, I think he's a threat as a left armour. Um, yeah, their, their strength, to be fair, is probably in their bowling. That's where they're a bit more, um, uh, maybe a little bit more experienced um, in, in a sense. But, um, and I certainly think if they, you know, if they bring their best in terms of bowling on a whack a wicket that might offer them a little bit, that's probably the threat up front. Um, you know, we probably know in, at the whacker and at the stadium, you know that you can... <laughs> you can do sort of a bit of damage early, but you can, you know, if you can get through that period, then the scoring tends to be at the back end. So I'm sure our guys will be mindful either way when we, whether we bat first or second tomorrow, we'll be respectful and mindful of um, of what the opposition serve up. Having said that, you know, Josh Phillippe in particular has been been pretty aggressive up front, so he, he may just play his natural game. But um, yeah, I think it'll be um, it'll be their pace attack that um, that they'll be looking to get on the front foot in the game with, uh, no doubt. Looking at WA's pace attack, we'll talk about Jason Berendorf in just a moment, who's re-signed at the Wacker for another couple of seasons, which is terrific. Uh, he can't take a trick, can he, Jai Richardson? Nah, it's a really tough one. You know, we've obviously had some conversations over the last couple of days once it, um, you know, it played out on Saturday. Um, really disappointing for him. He's worked hard to get himself back um, twice now. 
um, and, and his hamstring tendons just the, the hamstring spot where it's playing up just isn't managing the load of of a of a, of a 140k plus an hour bowler. So um, we need to look at all options to try and get him on the right track. He's clearly disappointed, and we are for him. He, you know, he had a big. Uh, one day final potentially tomorrow a tour of India the IPL and then you know the world was his oyster through the winter with maybe an Ashes tour and different things so there was a lot of things to look forward to from his point of view but um, yeah unfortunately that's not the case we'll get around him we'll look after him and and, and hopefully he can um, he can bounce out of it um, and recover well for um, for next summer. Now you've been around a while, Cade, both as a player and now as the, a coach. Uh, and as I said, been around cricket a long time. There are some players that can never shake injury, regardless of how hard they try. And we use the word injury prone. Is Richardson going to fall into that category when, of course, his career is over? Uh, people will be saying only if injury didn't plague his career. Who knows what he could have done? Yeah, I still think he's he's pretty young, relatively for a for a pace bowler. You know, outside of this hamstring, and um, you know, the last time he did it was popped a shoulder, dislocated shoulder, playing for Australia in white ball cricket. So up until when he was sort of twenty three, twenty four, he, he'd been extraordinarily resilient, um, which is normally when you think um, some of the quicks have some of their challenges coming out of their, their teens and um, and early twenties. So he he got through that phase particularly well. We, we, we you know we probably managed him pretty well, but he he got through a lot of cricket there for for quite a period of time. So there's a, it is a little bit unusual that, you know, the, the dislocated shoulder we can sort of put to one side as as, as a bit of a, a um, unusual injury. But um, certainly the hamstring side of things is a little bit unusual given his age and um, the recurrent nature of it and, and where it is in his hamstring is probably a little bit of a worry. But um, I think outside of that, he's been pretty good. And, and hopefully if he can recover from this one and, you know, with with this injury, it's because it's in the middle of the summer. He's probably, you know, he's always, you, you keen to get back, and you've got milestone games. So we're we're pretty keen for his recovery just to be, let's just get it right and um, and go from there. But yeah, I don't think so. I think if we can manage this, um, you know, he touch wood, his back's been pretty good. Um, he hasn't any other any other sort of major injuries. So there's certainly some things we'll keep chipping away at him with, and um, but I think he'll bounce back pretty well out of this one. So saying that, when is he likely to return? Because no doubt he'd been put into cotton wool and treated with kit gloves. Uh, any chance of playing cricket in the foreseeable future? Oh, I don't think so. I think the fact that this has happened a couple of times and it's the same spot, left handstring, pace bowler, you know, kid trying to bowl fast. Um, I think it'll be pretty conservative management. I know there's some discussions being held later this week around what the best course of action is, but I think I think either way, um, we're going to see him having a spell for a couple of months and um, and really getting it right because these these sort of tendon hamstring tendon injuries or anything where the tendons involved, um, you've really got to deload them and give them a break. Um, and so I think that's where we're at, given the nature of it, that that it's a repeat injury. And maybe any time we're seeing soft tissue repeat injuries, then we're, you know, we, we tend to be pretty conservative. So that's that's probably where it sits at the minute. So I think I think he's going to have a little bit of a break over the winter and, and try and get this right and um, and be raring to go for the for the back end of the preseason. Yeah, no, we wish him the best luck. He's a good young man and a terrific cricketer as well. We've seen that uh, numerous times since he burst into the uh, first-class ranks. Jason Berendorf uh, saying, I'm not going out nowhere. I want to stay here for another couple of years. That's an endorsement uh, that he's really happy with the program and very happy being part of a winning culture. Yeah, it's obviously really pleasing to sign someone of Jason's calibre as a, a as a cricketer and as a and a person. He's a, you know he's been part of the fabric um, for us for a long time. We've found a, a nice niche for him in in fifty over cricket and T20 cricket, and, and we couldn't be more pleased to 
um, yeah, like you say, for that endorsement, you know, he's a guy that, um, you know, he's at the peak of his powers. He's, bowled, he's bowling beautifully and, um, you know, he's a, he's a weapon on the stadium. Um, he's really developed his skills across um, 50 over and T20 cricket through the middle and back end. That was probably something a few years ago that he was conscious of working on. He's certainly done that. I wouldn't rule out playing Australia for him again. I think he's got... You know, as the Australian bowlers, um, that they've got they've got to keep developing depth in that group. And I think, you know, someone like Chase has done a great job over the last few years. His body's going really well. Um, and um, you know, he had he had value wherever he is. He's got a stint in the IPL, so um, yeah, we we feel like we're in a good place with him. And he certainly loves playing for us, and um, we love having him around. So that that was a good result. Um, and and it keeps that bowling group together. That was one of our focuses going. You know, before the embargo um, was was there for them from when the final started, where you can you can sort of shore up your list. We were we were pretty keen to keep this this sort of bowling group together, and they're keen to stay together. I think it works well. And um, yeah, Jace was just another another one of those signings which we're really happy about. Okay, just a couple of final questions. Uh, we've got the Sheffield Shield final on the back end, of course, of tomorrow's Marsh One Day Cup final for about. Two decades, we couldn't even go to the local trophy shop and buy some silverware. That's how difficult it was for WA Cricket. And here we are now chasing a rare double clean sweep of domestic titles. Uh, of course, the Sheffield Shield final will happen. I think it starts March the 23rd, also at home. It is a bonanza month for WA Cricket, isn't it? Oh, it's exciting. You know, we had the, we had the break for the Big Bash and everyone goes orange. Um, and it was obviously really pleasing um to go back to back there but yeah this month's pretty exciting to 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 get home you know we hadn't played a lot of we haven't played a lot of these sort of games at home in years gone by and um, the opportunity to play a one day final and a, and now that we know a shield final you know within a couple of weeks of each other you know the guys don't have to the guys don't have to get on a plane um we had a fair travel run sort of post the big bash um the trips to victoria and tasmania and went back and forth a bit so for the guys to be settled into perth um, you know, it gives us a chance to manage our group through the next three weeks and, and make sure everyone's fit and firing. So that's a that's a real luxury. The the players and staff have earned it. They've worked extremely hard, they've worked extremely well together and um yeah, hopefully hopefully over the next three weeks we can um capitalise on all the good work that we um you know, we didn't lose our first game of cricket in state cricket until February, which is a one day, which is that shield game after the big bash. So um the guys have combined well, we've had depth. Um, we've been able to bring different players at different times um, to contribute, and that's, that, that squad mentality has been particularly strong. The staff have been brilliant. So, um, yeah, it's an exciting time in WA cricket. We probably struggled there for a bit. Um, we didn't have much cricket in Perth at all, and now to be hosting finals, and it feel, feels like we've sort of brought cricket back to life a little bit after a bit of COVID and um, maybe a bit of start of start to some success. So really looking forward to the next three weeks and what the... Um, what the boys can do. Yeah, and as we let you go, there was a review today of the women's program, and no doubt we fell short when it came to the Perth Scorchers in the WBBL, and even in the National Women's National League competition. We just were off the pace a fraction. What came out of the review today? Oh, we had our yeah, just the annual sort of get together where we we go through the program, the different streams within the program. Everyone presents. We we reflect. We review and 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 chart the path forward I think um, you know one of the things that we've found in our women's program that we're striving for is consistency of performance and some of that comes back to the, the professional standards in our program and, and um, the professionalization of the girls game and they're doing some really good things but there's just some things that you know even historically in the girls game we've been up and down so we, we, we won it a few years ago but then we drop off so what we're trying to build is sustained success we're trying to bring young West Australian players through our pathway we want to be you know, a WA player dominant team. 
um, where we can and, and give those opportunities to kids coming through our pathway. So they're all the things we talked about today, how our program can evolve, how we can support our players better, um, you know, raising the bar of the program in some areas. Um, so they're all the good things we talk about today. We certainly made some big strides from last year. We didn't, it was a tough year last year. We didn't win a game. So we won four this year with a tie. Um, and so there was some great performances. Matty Dark was in the play. It was was in the team of the tournament. Um, so yeah, there's plenty of positives. But um, yeah, certainly um, like any program, like the men were six, seven, eight years ago. Um, sometimes the hard times um, make the good times feel a bit better. So um, we feel like we're going forward. But today was just a good opportunity to get everyone together and and talk through how we how we continue to evolve and grow. And some really positive stuff came out of that. So um, we put a line under that. We then start our planning for. The next year and and um, and go again. So that was um, yeah, it was a good day today for that. Good stuff. A great wrap of what's happening in cricket with Kate Harvey. Looking ahead to the Marsh One Day Cup final tomorrow, the Sheffield Shield final later this month on March the twenty third, and of course a wrap up on the women's program. Kate, appreciate your time, mate. Doing a great job down there, and we'll keep in touch. Good luck tomorrow. Good on you. Thanks, Pete. Cheers, uh, mate. Okay, there you go, Kate Harvey, the head of uh, high performance at the WACA, knows everything that's happening down there and certainly very uh, in-depth when it comes to the individual players. Uh, great to have him on board. We're going to take a break here on Sports Day WA. It's coming up uh, 16 to 6. Sports Day for Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. Yeah, it's great to have your company. By the way, the Marsh One Day final gets underway at five minutes past 12 tomorrow. Five minutes past 12, it gets underway at the WACA ground. And WA last lifted the title at home in the summer of 1999-2000 when they beat Queensland by 45 runs. So there you go. It's been a long time since we actually won the one-day domestic tournament here at home. There's a chance for it to happen tomorrow. We wish him the best of luck. Just some news here for Jimmy Williams by NBA Tragic. And he doesn't know this, but Giannis and Tukumbo and his brothers have bought a stake in a US soccer club, Jimmy. Okay. Uh, his brothers, they've all set off minority investors. They're all minority investors, and they've acquired partial ownership of the U.S. soccer club Nashville SC. So there you go. Did you go to Nashville on your U.S. trip? No, you should have gone. It's a good spot. Uh, so the NBA champion is joined in the group by his brothers Thanasis, Costas, and Alex. So the four brothers have bought a share in the Nashville soccer club. Yeah, they got plenty. Don't worry about that. Certainly, Giannis. Come on, boys. Come on, brothers. Come on, bros. Come with me. We'll have a bit of fun, and that's what they're doing. Okay, 10 minutes to six. I tell you who I really enjoy listening to. And even though this match was over a day ago, they're still talking about it in the UK. You know, Liverpool beating Man United by seven goals to nil. Now, Roy Keane was a former Manchester United captain, and he's been involved in commentary. And you know the term mad Irishman? He's a bit like that, Roy Keane. I tell you what, he shoots from the hip. And this is what he said in relation to the thrashing that his former club, the Red Devils, got by Liverpool. Circus is back in town at Man United. I was always wary of that when I was a player there. Keeping an eye on people. Don't get carried away because you know what this game can do to you. 
I see the players come here today. I see one or two players coming out in the second half, having a laugh and a joke. The one alone at Anfield, having a, a laugh and a joke with some of the Anfield staff, goalkeeping coach. I don't like to see all that rubbish. Do not like to see it. And I just think that circus can creep back into Man United and the manager and the senior players have to keep an eye on that. Same with all traffic against West Ham tonight. Not a nonsense before the game. Not a presentation. Presentations. I understand maybe one or two, but it was about four or five. That's for after the game. You don't it's, do it before a game. This and then t again, you look at half time. There's a couple of players walking down the tunnel and having a laugh and a joke. You're one alone at Anfield. You're here to walk. It's a serious business. It's big boy stuff. Forget us laughing and joking rubbish. Yeah, interesting what Roy Keane says there because you know when you're on the on the pitch. It is life or death, particularly when it comes to, like, the English Premier League. And I know a lot of people closer to home in the AFL don't get the fact that the players, at the end of the game, just milling around the ground, having a friendly chat with, you know, other players from the other clubs and, and certainly the players that have had their legs or their tails put between their legs because they've been beaten are quite happy. And it might be a 10-goal thrashing just to go out and have a bit of a laugh and a joke and a bit of a chat with the opposition who's just towelled you up. And I know there's some of the older commentators that just don't get it. Just don't get it. All this by-play, all this chum stuff after the final siren. It doesn't work. Why do you do it? Do it after. You know, maybe just go down the players' race, particularly the beaten side. Get off the park. Get off the park. Don't hang around trying to talk to your mates on the ground. And they go down the race. And then, if you want to have a chat at the end of the game when you're all dressed and you had your shower and, uh, you know, you, you connect and you might go somewhere or maybe meet in the uh, out, of, out of where people and commentators can see you, for well and good. But this banter, honestly... On the ground. You know, I've just been beaten by 65 points. Very, very stupid indeed. Yeah, and I've just been towelled up by the guy that's just been playing against me. And I've I've been hopeless. And at the end of the game, I'm just sitting around having a chat to him. And how are you going? And what did you do yesterday? And anyway, they're my thoughts on it. And that's what Roy Keane is saying. Get off the park. You've just been humiliated 7-0. Don't sit around at half-time and after the match having a chat to them. Anyway, they're my thoughts. Anyway, you can always hose me down on the temper of bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. And he makes another point, really. There's too many presentations these days. Every game, there's some sort of presentation being made. You know, this game between Team A and Team B is for this cup. And next week, this game between Team A and Team B is for this cup. You know, let's just let's just keep it clean, keep it clean, and not that confusing. All right, uh, that's my little beef for today. I don't know what your thoughts are, uh, Jimmy. Did you like that story about Giannis? So there you go. Follow Nashville in the soccer. All right, I'm I'm back tomorrow. <laughs> I'm back tomorrow between five and six. Look forward to your company here on the program. Wedding for a 33 degree day tomorrow in Perth. There might be a chance of a drop or two of precipitation. But let's hope it doesn't interfere in the Marsh One Day Cup final, which gets underway, as I mentioned, at the Wacker from 12.05. Thanks to Hamish Brayshaw for joining on the program today. Kate Harvey as well. And uh, we'll bring you more sport tomorrow. Tomorrow, actually, we go inside the Fremantle Dockers. So we'll have a good look at them. 
with one of their coaches joining us on the program. Have a great night tonight. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Lee. We'll see you tomorrow at 5. Thanks to Toolmart. This has been Sports Day WA.